the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Larry Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership for Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satera. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, welcome once again to the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. 855-767-3123 is the number you can call right now to talk to Larry Rosenthal, our financial and retirement expert here in studio. Good morning, Larry. Well, good morning, Chris, and how are you today? I'm loving it. I'm loving the day, loving everything about it. I'm just really been, actually a little bit earlier, though, I was a little bit uh, kind of melancholy, a little bit concerned about our folks over there in uh, Ukraine. It's a little sad over there. Our hearts and our prayers go out to them. I'm hoping this will come to a resolution at some point quickly. I agree. I agree. I think everybody agrees. We want it to be stopped and fixed and, you know. Just keep praying. That's all we can do at this particular at this particular point. So definitely, definitely. Well, Chris, what do what, what do we have going on here today in the markets? <laughs> From any given day, it's you never know. Could you know, be. it's it's just crazy. Just like March Madness basketball, yeah. right? That's right. You saw uh, St. Peter's uh, 15 seed make it to the to the uh, uh, Elite Eight for the first time ever. A 15 seed has made it there. And it's March it. Madness, just like the stock market, right? <laughs> actually, this past week, the market was actually up for the week, which has uh, been the first time in a long time. Well, not a long time, but, but uh, several weeks now. So it's kind of encouraging news. And what's going on with the markets? What's happening? What's, you know, are we climbing this wall of worry? What, what is the, what's the underpinnings of the economy? Same thing this week as it was the last handful of weeks, the concerns about the war in Ukraine. When will that become contained from a financial risk? And then what's going on on the inflation front? You know, well, this past week, Chairman Powell spoke uh, again about inflation uh, this, this past Monday. And uh, he really came out and he, he made some very strong statements. And he basically said, you know, tough action on inflation is, is going to be need If it's needed, he's going to take tough, tough action. Uh, which he said jeopardizes otherwise a strong economic recovery. In other words, if inflation continues to climb and escalate and get out of control, the Fed's going to stomp it down. 
Um, you know, he, he reiterated that interest rate hikes are going to continue until inflation's under control and even went on to say if necessary, even if necessary, higher than quarter point rate hikes will, will, uh, will come to, to fruition. You know, instead of 0.25, it might be 0.5, might be 0.75. Anyway, the, 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 he went on to also say under normal circumstances in the economy, the Fed would look through the issues over in Ukraine right now and not really be that concerned about it. However, as a result of what's happening there, supply chains are also getting hurt. Commodity prices are getting hurt as well. And so you really have to take a good look at what's happening here with, with the inflation pressure. So stay tuned. You know, two and a half weeks from now, we're going to get the inflation numbers on March. Uh, you know, uh, second week in April, the inflation numbers come out for March. And that's going to be a very, uh, very much paid attention to, I should say, uh, number as far as that goes. And again, the Fed is in a position here where they want to start to slow down the economy, but not enough that it tips us into a recession. And the way the economy is positioned right now with corporate earnings and, and how strong the consumer is and how... Uh, uh, the net worth of the typical consumer out there due to all the stimulus money over the last couple of years, uh, it looks like the consumer is still strong, and that's what drives you know, two-thirds of, of our GDP in the country. So we expect to see corporate earnings start to slow down, but not necessarily t- uh, tip us into a recession as far as uh, two back-to-back quarters and negative GDP growth. We don't really see that at this particular point. Now, on the other hand, We've also seen uh, pending home sales fell last month in February, 4.1%. And that is an indication that that housing closing in in the next uh, 30 to 60 days is going to be down as well. So is the housing sector cooling off? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just an initial bump. You know, the one month does does not set a trend by any means at all. So a lot of stuff happening economically um, in, in, in the country as well. And, you know, the next couple of weeks, you know, corporate earnings basically are, are coming to a close for the first quarter. So there's not going to be a huge amount of, uh, you know, economic data coming out. Sure, we'll still get all of our, our normal numbers and stuff, but, but stay tuned. The next big sort of speed bump that we have to really take a look at is uh, the, the March inflation number coming out in the second week in February. So that's kind of the big deal there. And how does this play out in the investment accounts? How does this play out in your 401K plan, uh, your stocks, your bonds, different things like that? <clears throat> you know, as the – well, well i got too, too many things going on here I want to explain. <laughs> I know. It's all good. I know. It's, 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 you know, you, 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 you look at all these graphs and charts, and you can tell a story at it. I'm sitting here going, okay, well, how am I going to explain that over the airway, right? So, I, I was just yeah. thinking that the uh, the inflation number does scare a lot of people when it comes to their own personal portfolios. And, and really, where does one begin to understand how to, to mix that in, you know? You know, here's the deal on that, Chris. Inflation's going to come under control, and and the best remedy for inflation, believe it or not, is high prices. What are you talking about, Larry, right? But the best remedy for inflation is high prices. In other words, when prices get too high, people just do what? They stop buying, and that Mm -hmm. brings down the prices, right? So, so at the same time, the Fed's going to start to raise rates and, and squeeze down the economy a little bit. And here's what the fear is with this, is that they squeeze it down too much. But let's take a look at, at, at how loose monetary policy still is and is most likely going to remain. 
You know, if inflation, just do round figures, let's suppose inflation's tracking at 8%, and the Fed raises its interest rates all the way up to 3 by the end of the year. Let's just say it just goes to 3, okay, which is outside the normal baseline um, uh, consensus right now. We still have 5% below the inflation trend. That's still a loose policy. You know, that's still very accommodative when it comes to things like that. And so, so we, we don't see the Fed at this point really, you know, um, aggressively trying to shut it down. Now, with the comments that he made this past week, maybe that's changed a little bit. So we'll have to wait and we'll see. And, and you know, what's interesting about this is, and, and what I appreciate is the Fed is recognizing finally the inflation pressures we're under. They're going after it, but at the same time, they keep on saying, you know what, we still want to remain accommodative. We don't want to slam it down and, and push us into a recession. So we'll see how the balance mix plays out and, and really what's happening. So, so today I want to talk about, you know, kind of getting back to basics, getting back to basics in your financial planning, in your investment strategies. We see stuff all over the news right now, all over the, the, the uh, business channels, the financial press, radio shows, all kinds of places right now, what you should and shouldn't be doing. And let me just tell you something, <clears throat> you know, fundamental basic blocking and tackling wins football games, you know, pitching and hitting wins baseball games, right, you know, uh, so forth and so on. And so we, we want to take a look today at getting back to the basics in financial planning. Now, this might sound boring for some of you all out there, but it's really not. Today's show is going to be filled with all kinds of financial tips. For example, this past week I was speaking with a friend of mine uh, about 401k plans, you know, and, and the question came up, you know, what's the story on 401k? Should people be maxing them out? Should people be putting money into them? Should you put money on the pre-tax side, on the Roth side? You know, and, and so wait a second here. Hold on a second. If you're involved in a company that has a 401k plan or the government TSP or a 403b plan at a municipality or school system or something like that or hospital, and then your employer is offering you to match, you know, if they're matching three or four or five percent or whatever they're matching, you you should put at least that amount of money into it. If not, max the whole thing out, which I'm a big fan of. So so you know when you when your employer matches, let's say three percent. And you put in 3%, that's 100% interest on your money. Mm-hmm. Think about that. You know, where else are you going to get that type of a return? You're not. And, and so, you know, I, I always talk at the beginning of the year and, and getting back to basics now. I know it's still the first quarter, but getting back to basics now, for those of you that have not done this, please do this. If you can afford to save 1% more in your retirement plans, please do so. Talk to your human resource people next week. And say, hey, you know what? I want to increase my, my savings. Let's suppose you're saving 8% in your retirement plan. Move it up to 9 okay? Now, I know there's inflation and higher prices at the grocery store and gas pumps and things like that. But now is a fantastic time, if you can afford it, to start putting more and more money into the marketplace. And there's not a, you know, and, and uh, 401K, retirement plans, government TSP, your, your 403B plans and stuff like that is a wonderful place to do that. Then the question became, you know, well, wait a second here. If, if, uh, do I put the money in on my pre-tax side or do I put it in on the Roth side? You know, uh, should, should, I, should I just put in the employer match and then maybe max out my Roth outside in my own Roth IRA? 
Most of the time, the answer is no. If you can afford to do it all inside your plan, then go ahead and do it inside your plan, right? Um, you think about this, Chris. If, if you're maxing out your 401K plan, and let's say you're putting it all on the Roth side, in addition to that, you can still have your own Roth IRA outside, whether you backdoor it or you just make the contributions, okay? So there's, you know, getting back to basics. When we sit down with a, with a client, we sort of thatch through and look at all the line items in, in, in a financial plan. Now, now there's, there's uh, tons of things to look at here, but one of the most overlooked things is how to maximize your 401K plan or your retirement plan at your employer, and at the same time with your outside investments, make them um, sort of supportive of what's going on in your retirement plan. You know, most retirement plans are restrictive in nature as far as the the investment choices inside of them, right? We all know that. So you want to take a look at getting your best investment choices inside your retirement plan at work, and then on your investments outside, maybe your spouse or maybe you have an IRA or a brokerage account or whatever it may be, those investments then sort of need to enhance what's going on in your retirement plan at work so that you get a well-rounded, balanced um, you know, portfolio in, in the overall household. Those are the things that you need to be looking at. So getting back to basics when it comes to your retirement plans, first question, are you putting in as much as you can? Second question, if you can afford to put in more into your retirement plan now while the markets are down, because eventually the markets will come back at some point down the road, right? And you're buying shares uh, cheaper today than you were just three or four months ago. <laughs> so why would you not try to put more money into the plans now? Because the acquisition of shares, think, listen to this, the acquisition of shares is one of the keys to, to accumulating wealth, right? It's not what your month-end statement looks like this month. You know, think about this for a second. If you put in $100 and you buy 10 shares of something, and now next month you put in $100 and you're buying 12 shares of something, there's two ways to look at it. One, the first month you could say, well, my account went down. The second way to look at it is I got more shares, so that ultimately when it comes back, you get a higher rate of return on that second month uh, contribution there. So same thing works inside your 401Ks. I also had a, I, I, yep, I also had a, somebody else ask me this, this past week, too. They actually asked me this question. You know, hey, Larry, since the market's down now, should I not put money into my retirement plan at work? And I said, absolutely not, man. You've got to put money into the plan, if not more at this particular point. You know, let's sit down, take a look at what your investment choices are inside your plan, okay? Um, you know, so I get friends asking me all kinds of questions all the time, <laughs> right? Which is do. fine. Yeah, which it's absolutely You're one fine. of those friends we can depend on when we ask for stock quotes. It's not the other yeah, guy. I'm, I'm the like corner. the friend with the boat, you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, there you go. Exactly. So, so, but it's stock instead. So, but no, now's a very good time to really consider doing all of that. So, hey, today's show, it's Open Mic Saturday, and I've just got an agenda here of, of uh, financial planning tips, I guess you can call it, all, all morning long. Sweet. Uh, yep, but, you know, it is Open Mic Saturday. You're listening to Making Money Sense, the Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning or investment questions, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. Give us a ring. Again, it's Open Mic Saturday. Any subject at all, estate planning, taxes, mortgages, insurance, your 401Ks, the government TSP, stocks, bonds, different sectors, whatever's on your mind. Give us a ring, 855 855- Five, five, Rose, one, two, three. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. 
listening to Making Money Sense Live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Nationwide and coast-to-coast from sea to shining sea, call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. To talk to Larry Rosenthal here in studio with us today. Larry. Sure. Let's welcome Marta on the line. Good morning, Marta. How are you today? Good morning. I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm well. How can I help you? I wanted to thank you, first of all, because because of the program, I was able to refinance my condo and my mortgage went down, and I'm just very, very happy. I just finished paying my loan from my 401k to uh, do all the paperwork when I originally bought it. So I got a full paycheck right now, and I was wondering, um, some of the cabinets in my kitchen have to be repaired. How could I get access to some money in order to do this? Right now, I don't even have an estimate. Uh, My first choice would be to get a loan again from my 401k where I can control how much I pay back. Uh, I don't want to go with a bank because the interest rates are so high. So do you have any suggestions? I do, Marta. First of all, um, you know, the 401k plan loan options, in my opinion, is kind of a last resort. Uh, I don't like taking money out of a 401k to to put into, uh, you know, I just don't like taking loans out. That's for retirement, and you're loaning, you're borrowing against your retirement. And, yeah, you're paying yourself back at interest. That's true. 
But at the same time, those shares are no longer in the market. And if the market were to rise right now, you would actually not be able to to make that that loss up because those shares aren't there. So the first thing that I would do is is maybe we could have someone give you a ring and we could sit down and take a look at your entire cash flow scenario. Maybe come up with some ideas for you on on looking at doing that. Um, I. I I would hesitate to say without knowing your situation to go ahead and borrow money from a 401k. Yes, it's an option, but I want to make sure that it's the last option that would be used. So I'll put you on hold here, Marta, and Josh will get some of your information. Bob's out this week, and we'll have someone to give you a call and sort of go through the the, uh, whole cash flow scenario with you. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Dan on the line from Tennessee. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Uh, Good. It's actually Ben, B-E-E-N, as in short for Benjamin. Oh, Ben. Okay. Well, sorry we got the wrong name on there, but um, I got you anyway. How are you? Doing well. Uh, I'm an educator, and I am... Two years away from uh, retiring, I'm going to go work in Kentucky also as when I leave here. Um, but I put into the Tennessee retirement plan and done that for, you know, 20-plus years. But is there anything else that would actually help me uh, to prepare for retirement, even though I'm going to go to work in Tennessee? I'm sorry, Kentucky, after I leave here. So yes, so so what we need to do is is build a financial cash flow plan. Take a look at it. Um, you know, the the answer to your question really is in a financial plan. Is there anything else you can do? I don't know your whole situation, but I know that there's a many many blind spots to people's financial planning, and putting your information into a financial plan is going to really give you an idea, sort of going to draw a line in the sand and say, you know, hey, look, if I keep doing what I've been doing, where will I be down the road, right? And that's what we need to do. Right. Um, so so the first start of this, Ben, is really to uh, for us to send you out our financial planning toolkit. We can send that out to you, and that will help you fill it all out, your information. Then we can show you how to drop it into a financial plan, and that's going to enable you to say, okay, now if I decide to do this, how's it going to look? If I decide to do that, how's it going to look? And you come up with multiple, multiple different scenarios for you, and that will let you really take a good look at what I would call your finish line down the road. You know, What does your finish line look like? Where is your finish line? Do you have to work? for X number of years more at full-time, or can you drop back and work part-time? You know, you're looking to change jobs now, change employers possibly. What's the new environment going to be like? What happens if you get there and you don't like it? You want to have contingency plans for this. How much money do you actually need to be bringing into your household each month? That's what the financial plan is going to do, as well as take a look at an analysis on your investments at the same time and saying, okay, here's your current investments. Are they... Are they conducive? Are they working in the direction of your new chapter in your life right now? You know, a lot of times people will have investments that are designed for this, that, and the other, and when they get to that point in time, sometimes some of the investments need to be changed around to to, to better enhance what your new chapter is. Does that make sense? Yes. I've actually done a little bit of that on Excel spreadsheet to find out how much I would need to uh, live on when we move up there in Kentucky. Well, that's good. That's a good start. Well, let me go ahead and, if you like, I'll put you on hold, and Josh will get your contact information today, and we'll go ahead and send you out our financial planning toolkit and have one of our advisors give you a follow-up call, okay? Good. 
Yes, thank you very much. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Let's bring Rick on from Indiana. Good morning, Rick. How are you? How are you? I'm doing well. How can I help you, sir? Um, I'm 65 years old, and I'm still working. I'm healthy. I have a good-paying job. The question I got is, should I apply for Social Security at 66 and a half when I get full Social Security and keep working? Or should I just wait till I decide to retire before I file for Social Security? Great question. So the, the break-even point is going to be right around age 80. Might be 79, age 81, age 80, something like that. Basically, what that means is if you decide not to take Social Security, or I'm sorry, if you decide to take Social Security at, at age 66 in whatever months it is for you, <clears throat> if you're at age 80, you would turn around and you look at me and go, well, I should have waited because now I'm making you know $213 a month more, right? But we don't know what the situation is going to be like at that particular point. Um, especially right. if you if you decide, you know, if if you decide to, well, uh, part of the equation also deals with Rick. Are you needing to pull any money out of your savings and investments, or are you solely living off of your current income? I'm solely living off my current income. Okay, so that's that's an argument to defer Social Security, but then we have to bring into the equation. Well, if I take Social Security now and I don't need it, yes, you've got to pay tax on that money, but then since you don't need it, what happens if you turn around and reinvest it, right? And now you're going to have – Yeah, you're going to pay tax on Social Security. That's correct. If your income – if you're married, final, jointly, and your your adjusted gross income is above $46,000, then up to 85% of your Social Security check is going to be taxed, whether you're working or not, okay? So we really have to – dig down into the computation uh, as far as that goes. And, uh, you know, I've got a whole spreadsheet here that I can put you through. It takes you two and a half minutes to to really do it and figure it out. Most of the time, it's beneficial for people to go ahead and take Social Security. But in your case, since you are working and you're living solely off of that, I need to do the math on that. So the answer is sort of 2BD to be determined on that uh, as far as all that goes there. But usually people will end up saying, well, you know what? I don't know what my world's going to be like when I'm 80 years old. I don't know what the level of taxation is going to be like. I don't know what the markets are going to do between now and then. I don't know what my health is going to be like, right? You know, I mean, what would happen, God forbid, if you were to pass away at 72? Think about all the money that would not come into the family from 66 to 70 when you defer it to. Do you see what I mean? So there's a lot of contingencies that are involved in that computation. And once you understand and see the math, then we'll be able to break it down and make that decision for you, too. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll go right. ahead and, and uh, I'll put you on hold, and I'll have uh, Josh get your info, and we'll have one of our Social Security experts in the office give you a ring and sort of step you through the, the computation of it and go over it, okay? Sounds good. Appreciate the Thanks, phone call. Sir. Yep, let me put you on hold. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Karen on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Karen. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. I hope you are. Um, I have a question. I get, um, I'm I'm 63, and I'm getting to the place where, you know, getting ready to retire, and I'm getting all these um, emails about gold, 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 and I just wanted to find out um, who – who is who is actually or where is it that I could actually 
um, actually go buy some gold, and is that a good idea? Well, Karen, first of all, gold is an asset class, okay? So it goes up and down based off the spot price of gold. And you can buy gold in, in a few different ways, and you can get involved in the gold, quote-unquote, investments in a handful of different ways. One, you can buy stock in the mining companies that actually extract it and refine it. Two, you can buy the coins that you see on TV all the time from a collector's standpoint. And three, you could just open up an investment account and buy it there without any, without any, you know, commission cost and things like that, you know, in, 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 in a, you know, a fiduciary type of an account. So... It depends on what you want to try to do. You know, I have a, f a friend of mine who, who collects gold coins, and he likes to buy the physical gold coins, puts them in a little case, and shoves them in a safe, right? And that's what he likes to do. Now, to do that, there's a cost to buy and, tr buy and sell or transact, you know, that type of a scenario. But if you just wanted uh -huh. to buy gold as an investment, you can buy it through uh, ETFs in the marketplace, uh, there's different ticker symbols out there that just track the spot price of gold as it goes up and down, and that way you're participating in it. You don't have to store it. There's not a, a transaction cost to buy and sell each time. And, you know, one of the things, too, is is if you're buying the coins, what, you know, if, if you say, well, hey, I want to buy the coin – and, and, you know, a dollar coin and it's worth, you know, 1900 bucks. if you melt it down, still if you take it into the grocery store, they're only going to give you a dollar worth of goods for it, right? Because they're not going to weigh the gold and say, hey, you know, it's worth $1,900. No, that doesn't, that's not how it works because we, we still trade in dollars and greenbacks, right? So those are the yeah. different ways that you can buy gold. And, you know, when you look at the history of gold over the last 10, 20 years and so, you'll see that the performance of it has not kept up with the regular stock market. So there are certain times you want to buy commodities and certain times, you know, and metals and things like that that you don't. So, so it, we treat it as an asset class, go in and out of it from time to time. But those are the different ways that you can buy gold, too. Um, oh, okay. Um, would you be able to uh, send me um, uh, companies? I know you had uh, said some over the over the phone here, but um, send me something that I can actually, you know, go in and talk to them about it. I know, you know, the three different ways that you've been talking about, but yeah, absolutely. Know, I'll have I'll put you on hold here real quick, and Josh will get your information, and we'll have someone give you a ring and then step you through it all. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate the day. phone call. You too. You're listening to Making Money Sense, Larry Rosenthal Show. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. We're going to take another quick break here. Uh, we'll keep the phone lines open. It's Open Mic Saturday, which I love. Any questions at all on your retirement plans, estate planning, taxes, inflation, March Madness, whatever's on your mind, give us a ring. 855-ROSE-123. You're listening to Making Money Sense. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. You are listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. 
This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Nationwide and coast to coast from sea to shining sea. Call now, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Live from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123. is the number for you to call, 855-ROSE-123. Let's talk to Larry Rosenthal. Larry. Sure, Chris. Let's welcome Bernice on the line from New York. Good morning, Bernice. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How can I help you today? Um, my question is, <clears throat> I just turned 72 uh, uh, in February, uh-huh. and I have, I, um, I, I have an RMD. Yes, ma'am. Could you expound on that for me or just uh, help me because I don't know at this point what I'm doing with it. Okay, this is very important, Bernice. Okay, so so at age 72, the government requires you to start taking money out of your IRAs. Out of not your Roth IRAs, but your pre-tax traditional IRAs. And the reason why is because you've enjoyed this tax-deferred growth for all these years, and now the government says, you need to pull some of it out and pay a little bit of tax on it. So that's what's going on. So there's a schedule, there's a calculation that says this is how much you need to take out at age 72, then at age 73, at 74, and on and on and on, all the way up to age 121, okay? There's an actual schedule of that, and it's a percentage amount. And then if you don't take out the money, there's a 50%, that's right, 50%, 50% tax penalty, mm-hmm plus income taxes on what you needed to take out. So let's assume that that your RMD, which stands for Required Minimum Distribution, let's suppose that the calculation says that you need to take out $10,000 and you don't take it out. Now you have a $5,000 tax penalty plus income taxes on the ten grand that you need to take out anyway. So it's very, very expensive. So, so what you need to do is, is take a look at all your different IRAs, and the government requires you to take to, to sort of add them all up together. You don't have to put them together, but you add them all up together, and that's how you do the formula based off of the total aggregate amount. Now, you can take it, you can take your RMD money out of each one individually, or you can take more out of one and not touch the others. Whatever it is you want to do, you just have to meet that aggregate amount uh, requirement. And if you turn 72 in 2022, you have until the end of December this year to take the money out. Every December 31st, that 
whatever's in your IRA balance, that's what's calculated for the following year's RMD distribution. And you have all year long to take it out. So some people I know take it out a little bit each month. Some people take it out, you know, at certain times in the year, like for summer vacation, they might take it out in July, a big lump sum. Or a lot of people tend to take it out around November to get ready for Christmas and things like that. Um, but if you like, I'll, I'll be happy to send you out the information on all the RMD rules and how you can best go about doing it. And, and another thing, too, since you're now in the distribution mode or, or the attained age of RMDs, um, sometimes there's different types of investments that you might want to put into your IRA to generate excess cash that will help you, you know, not have to sell off shares of ownership of, of things that are in there. So if you like, I'll be happy mm -hmm. to go ahead and send you that information. Did that answer your yeah. question? I mean, I kind of went on and on there a little bit, but I could talk a lot about RMDs. Uh, kind of. <laughs> yep. okay, you know, another, an, an, another thing, too, Bernice, on this is that if you don't need the money that comes out, you know, the after-tax money, let's suppose your RMD is $10,000, and you pull the money out, and let's say you got to pay you know, 2500 in taxes, so now you've got $7,500 left. What are you going to mm -hmm. do with that money? Some people say, hey, look, Larry, I don't need that money, and they turn right around and just reinvest it back into another investment account. You can do that or, or do other things with it, too. Another thing, Is it too, possible to put it in a Roth? No, you can't put it into a Roth because that would be a contribution. If you're not working, you can't contribute. But you can convert. You can take some of the money that's in your traditional IRA, and you can convert that to a Roth. Now we're talking about a whole different scenario here. Um, plus, another thing you can do is a qualified charitable deduction, a QCD. If you give money to your church or charities each year, you can just move some of your RMD money right over to that charity, and it counts towards your RMD being satisfied as well. So I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll put you on hold, Bernice, and we'll have someone reach out to you and go over all these different strategies of Roth conversions, of RMDs, and things like that. Would that be okay? Oh, yes. Thank you. All right, well, let me put you on hold, and Josh will grab your contact information, and we'll have someone reach out to you next week. Appreciate the phone call. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Let's welcome Sandra on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Sandra. How are you today? Good morning. I have some questions. I'd like to know, I'm trying to get my finance together. I'm 59 years old, and um, I'm going to try to work another seven years, and I'm trying to get, I have a goal in mind how much I would like to hopefully to receive um, a monthly income, uh, even with um, Social Security and with the 24 years on another job that I worked on, retirement, the amount of money that is, and my Social Security, and I'm planning on hopefully God bless me with another job that has a 401 plan, how much money I need to put into that amount of money in order to get this amount of money that I would like to receive a month. I'm trying to get my numbers together and my work on my numbers uh, for my retirement at the age of 57. So I've got. I mean, that's great. That's you're 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 sitting down and you're saying basically, hey, Larry, somewhere down the road, five, six, seven years from now, I want to retire. I want to make sure I have enough money coming in to meet my standard of living, right? Right. Yep. So very simple. Uh, that's we just need to run a financial plan for you. We need to take a look and draw, like I mentioned earlier, draw a line in the sand and say, hey, if I keep doing what I've been doing now, where am I going to be down the road? Well, at the same time. 
You know, let's take a look at what your strengths are to accomplish that, what may be some of your blind spots or weaknesses. Uh, you know, what, how do we get, get there? So really, Sandra, it sounds like to me that we need to just prepare you for a financial plan. Um, I can send okay. you out our, our toolkit. Good. Yep, I can send you out our toolkit, and you can get that started, and then we'll have someone reach out to you and sort of go over it with you and, and take a look at the financial plan for yourself. So I'll put you on hold, okay. and, and Josh will get your info. Uh, appreciate the phone call, and, and uh, have a great weekend, and we'll get, we'll get somebody back with you next week. Let me put you on hold real quick. So lots of calls, open mic Saturday. Love it. Give us a ring with any of your financial planning or investment questions, uh, estate planning, taxes, insurance, mutual funds, ETFs, stocks. Stocks, stop losses, gold, whatever's on your mind today, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. So, you know, we were talking about some of the financial tips this week, Chris, you know, sort of, quote, unquote, getting back to the basics, if you will, in financial planning, you know. And we talked about uh, saving 1% more this year. If you have an opportunity now, since the markets are down, put some money in if you can't afford it, you know. Uh, the second thing here is, is, is uh, you know, make sure we're, we're on a trajectory course to pay down our debts. The last thing you want to do is carry excess debt into retirement years. So we have to get you on a cash flow program that starts knocking down the debt so that when you're in retirement years, cash flow is a whole lot easier and you don't have uh, such a big debt burden. Another thing, too, is review your financial plan, Okay. Review your financial plan. Take a look at your financial plan. We get, we get people coming all the time to the office or, or, or meeting with us on the phone through Zoom, you know, with, with everything now. And that's kind of the new way business is being done now these days, uh, which is kind of interesting, you know. Um, and and uh, uh, you know, we, we ask people oftentimes, you know, um, have you had a financial plan done? And a lot of people will say, yeah, you know, and in, in 2018 with, with my uh, advisor, I ran a financial plan, and we haven't looked at it since. You know, well, hold on a second. You know, you should be reviewing your financial plan at a minimum each year. You know, oftentimes when we meet with clients, each time we talk about the financial plan, because if you think about it here for a second, the financial plan is really what you're in competition with. You know, not the stock market, not somebody on TV, not anything like that. But the financial plan is really sort of your roadmap to saying, hey, am I on pace, whether the markets are really, really high or really, really low, whether there's inflation or not, right? The financial plan tracks these numbers for you and lets you know what you're on pace for, whether or not you can accomplish your goals and objectives in retirement planning and college funding and in, in getting a new car. You know, stop and think about this blind spot here. A lot of people retire. Let's say you retire at age 65. On the average, you're going to have three different cars during your retirement years, right, whether they're new or used cars. But how are you going to finance? How are you going to pay for these cars during retirement years? I don't know. With well, gas like it is, I think I'm going to invest in bicycles, not cars. That's exactly right, Chris. <laughs> bicycles. I hear you, man. No, no, no worries at all. So, hey, let's welcome Jane on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Jane. How are you today? Yes, good morning. I am blessed in the Lord. Thank you so much for taking my call. Absolutely. God bless you. How can sure. I help you? All right. You know, some countries have gone all digital in money. So I've heard recently from our present administration that there's rumbles of mentioning digital. So my question is, 
if we do, as a country, go all digital, will the physical cash on hand be usable or will it just all be digital? Well, Jane, I would imagine that if, first of all, I, I do know that we've been looking at it for several years, okay? And and I, I would imagine that if we did digitize our currency, that the you know the, the money you have quote unquote in your sock drawer or underneath your mattress or wherever it may be, at some point that's going to be not taken. So maybe if they go digital, let's say July first, as an example, um, you might have until the end of the year to spend that cash or to turn it into the bank for your digit numbers and your checking account. I, I'm really not sure. But at some point, it would probably not, you know. And, and, and at that point, you might want to just, you know, take a few dollar different denomination of dollars down to the uh, art store and have them frame them up, you know, just for uh, old time's sake, right, too. So, um, but I do know that the government has been looking at it, and I don't know where they are in the process of it. But, um, you know, it, it, it kind of makes sense moving in that direction. Um, you know, if you take a look at digital currency, we've been dealing with digital currency for years without even realizing it. You know, you go to the, you go to the clothing store and you have a 15% off coupon on winter sweaters. That's digital currency, if you think about it, right? What about frequent flyer miles? Those are digital currency. Anything that gives you a discount on the actual price without exchanging, you know, the greenback or putting on your credit card, that's digital currency there, too. Uh, credit cards, debit cards, all that kind of stuff. You know, those are already forms of digital currency. So, so um, you know, that's that's all I got on it. I don't know if it's good, bad, or indifferent, right? But but that's right. that's my best guess as to your question, which is, what would happen with the cash on hand? At some point, it wouldn't. You know, they wouldn't accept it. You know, um, and there's actually already well, places I now that I've been to that say, nope, we just accept your credit cards. We don't want cash. Mm. You know. And, and so I've, well, I've, I've seen some you know, of that. I mean, you did answer my question, but unfortunately, um, having going all digital and having the government have even more control over us, we don't know how they're going to use that for us, against us, rewards, well, bad girl, I'm going to take this away. So my concern is probably more control from the government me controlling what has I've worked so hard for. That's well, I, I understand that view totally. Yeah. I get it. I, I, I want privacy myself. I yep, I, I understand. Um, but at some point... No crystal ball for any of us, but God is in control, and he will take care of us. I totally agree with you there. There's no yeah, doubt about it. And, so and when, you, when you stop and you take a look at all of this, you know, the stuff we're talking about here is worldly things. We need to keep our eyes on, 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 on eternal things, right? And the Lord's going to take care of us all, and he owns it all anyway. And what is our responsibility with money? Our responsibility with money is to be a good steward. Not a perfect steward, but a good steward with the dollars that the Lord gives us. You know, and, Amen. And, and, and we stay need, out of debt. <laughs> as best we can, that's for sure. Yep. All right. Well, Jane, well, I'll tell you, you for your time. Absolutely. If you like, I'll put you on hold and we'll send you out our financial planning toolkit too. So I appreciate the phone call. God bless and have a great weekend. Hey, let's go ahead and welcome Nadine on the line from Texas. Good morning, Nadine. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing very well. Thank you for accepting my call. 
Sure. How can I help you? Well, I'm 62 years old. I have about $10,000 saved. I am debt-free other than my car payment, and um, I have planned nothing for retirement. And I was wondering, is is it better to wait until I'm 67 to draw from Social Security or 62? That is a pure cash flow question, Nadine. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you're still working and you take money on Social Security, if you claim Social Security before your full retirement age, if your full retirement age is 67 and you take money at 62, then you're limited to how much you can actually work and earn money to about $19,000 and some change because then you'd have to start paying back your Social Security. So we need to sort of break down what your cash flow scenario really is to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Um, on, the same, on the same token, if you stop working and you're not taking Social Security and you're using your own savings and investments, which I, you mentioned there, there isn't much of, um, then you should definitely take Social Security once you stop working, that's for sure. So do you plan okay. on continuing to yes. work? through your yes, retirement I, age of Social Security? Yes. And but are you I, making like more than like, nine? I'm Go sorry, ahead. you're cutting out just a little bit. No, I uh, said that I'm working like 55 hours a week um, for about six years now. and um, But I'm going to keep working. And my age is actually 66 in 10 months or something like that, or four months, something like that, when I can draw full retirement. Okay, and is and are in your income? Are you making more than the nineteen thousand a year? I'm making forty two thousand. Yeah, then then it's probably not going to be in your best interest to take Social Security when you're sixty two because you're just going to have to pay you know most of it back. Um, yeah, and, yeah. So thinking. so keep on working with that, and and then um, what I would suggest is try to start saving each month, even if it's fifty dollars or a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars or whatever it may be. Find out if your employer has a 401K or some type of retirement plan where they match and put in at least that because that's 100% interest on your money there, okay? Yeah, okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Appreciate the phone call. Let's go ahead and welcome, uh, is that Joel? Joel on the line from Wisconsin. Good morning, Joel. How are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Well, I've got kind of a little bit different question. I'm Sounds like a little younger than some of your callers of 42. I've got a pretty significant rental portfolio, and I'm looking into the, the process of starting a, a solo 401k, and I wanted to see if what mechanism I could use to direct some of that Schedule E income over to the, to the solo 401k. I already have like a self-directed Roth IRA that wants some properties. I don't know what I'll be investing in in the, the solo pay, but um, sure. one one idea, one thought I had was to run some of it through a Schedule C and you know basically pay myself to manage the property. You know, realizing I'd have to pay FICA on that. But well, that's the whole key right there, Joel. As long as you're paying FICA tax on it, you qualify for a a, a retirement program, whether it's a Roth contribution or or a solo 401k or traditional or a SEP or whatever it may be. So the let, let's sort of break this down. You have income coming in, and now you're saying, how can I put this into you know a qualified retirement plan? 
So the solo 401k is one vehicle. A SEP is another vehicle. Uh, deferred comp plan is yet another vehicle. So these are all different types of vehicles that you can use to put your money in to usher them down towards retirement programs. And as far as the mechanism of a solo 401k goes, um, you know, I have clients that have them. They're very easy to administrate. Uh, to administer, um, and you get a wide range of uh, range of investment choices inside of it. You can you can do it yourself, you know, or do it through an advisor. So there's really no, you know, you just have to play by the rules and regulations of the contribution limits into a solo 401k. It's pretty easy to do. Oh, sounds good. Though. Is there someone uh, you could hook me up with? We can discuss this further. It sounds like you guys do some fiduciary services there. Yes, sir, we do. Um, I'll put you on hold here, Joel, and we'll have someone give you a ring next week to set up a time, speak with one of our advisors about doing a solo 401K plan for you, and also taking a look at, you know, sort of the nitty-gritty of your cash flow and and seeing if that is, in fact, the best direction for you to go. Because, like I said, there's a handful of plans out there uh, to to really take a look at it, you know, so – uh, appreciate the phone call. Let me put you on hold here. Josh will grab some information from you, and we'll reach out to you next week. You're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Hal on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Hal. How are you? I'm great. How are you this morning? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Okay. I just needed some information uh, about refinancing my home. If Would it be... Uh, the best thing for me to refinance or just leave it like it is because I was going to refinance because so many people have been taken out. But some some people say that it's not good to leave all your equity in there. Um, I've been in my house about seven years. Well, Hal, it depends on what your objectives are, you know. And if we listen to everybody out there with their own opinions, we're going to end up being a deer in headlights, right? Because some people say, no, pull your equity out. Some people say, no, pay your home off. means you got to have a lot of equity in the house, right? So it all really depends on what your objectives are with it. I, first of all, I can't answer your question, is it a good time to refinance? I don't know what your current interest rates are. I don't know what the objective is of you wanting to refinance. Do you want to lower your payments? Do you need to pull money out, refinance, pay off debt? What is it that you want to try to do? So a lot of that stuff will go into an overall uh, pretty comprehensive type of a plan. You know, there's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home. And, and we have to take a look at those ways, what's best for you and your financial plan. You know, um, why is somebody telling you you don't want equity in your house? You know, what are you going to do with it? You know, you're going to go out and buy a car? That's probably not the best wise use of it, right? Um, you know, yeah. what, what, what's going to happen? You know, if, if you pull equity out of your home and property values come down in a few years, you could be upside down, right? Now you're not, not in a position to sell unless you bring money to the table. So there's a lot to this conversation. You know, um, our homes and the equity inside of our homes, for some people, they're one of their largest investment assets. And you need to manage it. You need to understand the rules of, you know, not necessarily the rules, but the strategies involved with it. And like I said, there's nine different ways to manage equity inside of your home, depending on what you want to try to accomplish. So, uh, Hal, at this point, what I'd like to do is is just uh, I'll put you on a quick hold, and Josh will get your information, and we'll have someone give you a call and take a deep dive into this into this conversation with you, if you'd like. Would that be okay? Okay, yeah. Thanks, Larry, and I enjoy listening to you. I appreciate the I appreciate that. 
Uh, let me put you on hold here real quick. Hey, everybody, we have uh, a handful of callers still on the line. Um, I'm gonna. I'm getting music in my ears, so I've got about 47 seconds left before we go off the air. But we will remain on YouTube. You can follow us here on LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube at LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube. And I'll stay in studio here and I'll answer your questions. So as soon as we're done here in a moment, uh, DJ, Rob, Renee, and whoever else, I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, pick you all up here as soon as we go off the radio air. But we'll be on YouTube in just a few moments. So... Well, hey, Josh, I appreciate you sitting in for Bob today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 